In today's economic climate, it's very hard to know what to do with your money. Every financial move is a choice. Sometimes they are good choices, and you will reap the rewards of success. Sometimes there are bad choices, which can leave you in financial ruin if you make too many. Welcome to Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life with Gordon Bennett. Our program will help you to make the good choices and avoid the bad. Now, here is Gordon Bennett. Good afternoon and welcome to the program, Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Issues of Life. And here with me to share her wisdom, and I talk about wisdom very guardedly, is Karen Blumenthal. Karen has written a couple of books. Uh, The one that she wrote in uh, 2009 is entitled, The Guide to Starting Your Financial Life. Let me repeat that, The Guide to Starting Your Financial Life. I'm going to ask you, Karen, to tell me a little bit about you. But first of all, I have to extol the virtues of your book. My grandson is getting married in two weeks. And I want to tell you, this is one of the things I'm going to see that he gets. So let me ask you a question. How did you get started into writing and specifically about books like this? Well, Gordon, thank you very much for having me. Um, I am a longtime journalist. I've got more than 25 years' experience as a reporter and editor and bureau chief at the Wall Street Journal. And uh, so I have a great interest in making sure that people have access to all kinds of information about their money and that they can make good decisions uh, that aren't just from people who are selling them something, but that we provide information to people that they can really use and, and that thinks about the consumer and the individual first. Um, this book, The Wall Street Journal Guide to Starting Your Financial Life, really grew out of my experience with two teenage daughters who I just found we couldn't teach them everything. There was just too much to learn in this complicated world we live in. And uh, it made sense to try and put some of it down on paper, not just for them, but for their friends and other young people who were trying to get started. Um, you know, just not something you sit down at dinner and say, well, you know, tonight let's talk 401Ks or how to pick a health plan. So um, I really wanted to cover the gamut of things that a young person might need to know, from opening a bank account all the way to investing. I have literally hundreds of books in my library, and I've read and read and read lots of books. I have a master's in finance. But I have to tell you, your book is singular in its simplicity, in its authoritativeness, in its fairness, in its ease. I mean, I am just absolutely astonished that every family in America doesn't have this book. Uh, I can understand having written. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's it's true though. I mean, you should be very very proud of this book. And uh, I was sitting here reading it this morning before we came on the air, and I have so many questions to ask you. It'll take us all week. But <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing. I mean, it's a really simple book. One of the things I noticed about the book, one that I really like, is you have a lot of resources in the book. People have no shortage of learning about things. But let's face it, they get intimidated by what's in front of them, and they don't even open the book. So having an authoritative and trustworthy source like this is uh, is just awesome. So thanks a lot. Now, let me ask you this. At what age? Now, you raised two teenage daughters. At what age? My sympathies, by the way. <laughs> at what age should financial education begin? How soon should we start teaching young people? what educating uh, or learning about the finances is all about? It depends so much on the kids, but I think you want to start with the basics of money when they're pretty little, and you want them to understand 
wants and needs and what things cost and and um, you know how you earn money. I think it's great to have chores or ways that, that young people, even even kids in elementary school, can earn money and have them spend some of their money as well, so that they learn what that feels like and what it's like to have it and then not to have it. But you have to. It depends a lot on the kid. There's some first graders that are really into it and some kids who may not be very interested in the buying power of money or in earning or or spending it until they're in fourth or fifth grade i think by the time a young person is in junior high school or certainly by the time um they're in high school they need to start understanding the basics of debt and of credit and of how the banking system works um how a checking account comes with fees and how it comes with all kinds of hidden costs and they need to understand, I'm a huge believer that a young person um, who is over the age of 18 should have a credit card and learn how to use it. Uh, to me, it's just like learning how to drive. It's a life skill, and they need to know how to use it properly and safely because we live in a world that is not a cash-based world anymore. It's a, it's a world that uses credit and debit. So, it is so not I think a it's cash- a process. I just think it's a, an ongoing process of learning. One of the authors doesn't believe in credit cards and uh, I don't mention, mind mentioning his name because I agree with almost everything he says, but nobody's tried to buy a drink on an airplane lately with cash. Well, or uh, rent a car. Have you ever want, want to try a, and rent a car with a debit card? It's horrifying. <laughs> yeah, and the same thing is true with hotels and anytime you're traveling. Right. Uh, I start, and starting in your book, uh, it means you control your money rather than your money controlling you. By having the cash in the bank and no debt, Investment portfolio, even a modest one, very powerful to do. This is the first part that you talk about. And I read that and it's, I mean, any 12, 12 year old or certainly any college graduate can understand that. You have to realize that you spend your life learning to earn money. You have to spend the rest of your life learning how to care for that money because it's got to, it's really, we spend a fortune on our things. Your book says there are 50 financial matters, and we won't have a chance of them all. But how important are goals in picking your life choices? Is that's, I think, and I've always made uh, the point that if you have clear goals, remember Kennedy said we're going to put a man on the moon mm-hmm. by the end of the decade and return him safely to Earth? I think everybody needs a moonshot. <laughs> everybody needs the clarity of that statement. What do you think? Well, you know, it's that's a very basic part of planning anything, right? If you if you want to go to college, you need to know why you're going to college. If you want to, um, you know, get a job, you need to know what kind of job you want to get. And the same thing is true for your money. The approach I like to take is slightly different. I like to, you know, as you sort of said at the very beginning of the show, I like to think of money as giving you choices. And so to me, the whole reason to care about this and to take care of it is that having Having little debt and having savings gives you options in life, and that means you can do things you want to do. And that's huge, right? It's, it's when you have choices. That's, that's the best yeah. situation. And in order to do that, then you have to set some goals to get there. You have to say, I want to have savings. I want to reduce my debt. I want to not have much debt uh, for most of my lifetime. And, I, and I, don't, I don't want to spend more than I make. In fact, I want to spend less than I make so that I have those choices later on. I th- choices is what it's all about. I am a firm believer in choices, and that's why I teach goals. The first thing I say to a class is you've got to set goals. And I've boiled the goal setting down to a very easy process. I take a piece of paper and divide it three ways down, three ways across. In the first column, I say, what stuff do I want to acquire? 
and by the way, stuff doesn't control your life, we hope. Mm-hmm. What stuff do I want to acquire? What experiences do I want to have? Do I want to ride a mule to the bottom of the Grand Canyon? Do I want to climb Mount Everest? And then third column is what wealth do I want to accumulate? Now, it keeps a lot of friction out of families, too. We hear that divorce is caused primarily by fighting over money. I say, don't fight over money. Fight over goals. Fight over what you want to do. And then the three horizontal columns are this year, five years out, and then the rest of my life. And if you have that once a year list of goals, it is amazing what it will do for you. It can stop impulse spending. You don't buy things that aren't on the list. I mean, you maybe have a $20 limit or something, but major things. Uh, put them on the list or take something else off. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a great idea. It's, uh, it's worked very well for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next part of your introduction or introductory tariff starts out very, very basic. How to get a bank account. <laughs> uh, you have, and, and that is a changing world. Let me tell you, I was a banker, and uh, bankers are not your best friend. And I say, <laughs> I hope none of my friends are loose, listening because um, we have to make a living. And right. one of the ways we make a living is fees. <laughs> and we as consumers want to spend our time getting rid of fees. What are some thoughts there? Well, you know, I think this is something that's a, a great way to introduce young people to the whole, all the issues with money. You need you need these services in order to um, take care of your business, and people need to make a living, and companies need to make a profit, and we all understand that. But as a consumer, it's our job to keep as much of our hard-earned money as we can, right? I mean, that's we need to do that because that's what we're working for. So I wanted young people in particular to understand how the banking system works. Um, they tend not to realize that there are often monthly fees, even more so than when this book came out three years ago. Uh, many banks now charge monthly fees. There are They know their debit card fees because they use their debit cards, but there are ways to get cash without spending so much on debit card fees. Um, some of the fees, uh, thankfully, have gone away. Some of the ways that banks, for instance, used to almost encourage people to overdraw their accounts and then charge them you know, $35 once, twice, three, four times in a single day. Some of those uh, uh, more onerous practices have gone away. But uh, for a young person, they need to understand, that's a great way to understand how the system works is starting with a bank account and knowing um, there's going to be some there's going to be some charges, there's going to be some services, and then you're going to have to pay for some things. And, uh, and that's a good way to do it. You know, a young person today may never write a check, which is hard for you and me to understand. They it are really never going to balance a checkbook because why should they? The, all the information is online 24-7. So we have to think differently about how they're going to use those services and give them the tools to to use them well. I'm a great believer in this uh, concept and the practice of electronic banking. I haven't balanced a bank book for a long time. <laughs> but I know every day before breakfast how much is in my accounts and how much has been paid. And I have control of my account. I have choices. I no longer pay, play that game, chase the check to the bank. <laughs> I mean, the control that you have is really amazing. And uh, anybody who doesn't use electronic banking, I certainly encourage them to get into. We could talk about this forever, but uh, I, I certainly encourage them to find out what the bank can do for them. Uh, what do they need in the way of minimum balances? How do they link their accounts together? How do they pay their bills? How do they know what's going on? Banks can be your friends. And I always say, how do they get paid? Uh, not from me. <laughs> 
Well, that's, that's a, I mean, those are great points. You know, for a young person, it's tougher because the bank minimums today are now in the thousands in order to avoid fees. Um, and most young people cannot keep a balance of seven or $8,000 in their bank. Um, there are still some student accounts, but they're fewer and fewer. There are accounts where you have to do it all electronically, and you'll be charged if you actually go see a teller. But um, and those are worth it to save six or eight or even twelve dollars a month, which is which is a lot of money to a young person. But I do think it's getting harder for them to find a good free account once they're out of college um, that offers them some services. Those minimum balances have gotten quite high. So it's well, important for them to understand how it works, and I think you're right. You know, you don't want them to make too much off of you. Well, and you can, there's a lot of creative ways, and I'll leave that to your book to tell them, but there's a lot of creative ways to think, why am I paying this money? What can I do to get out of it? Sometimes a single direct deposit is all it takes. Or maybe mm-hmm. if your parents can help out. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can uh, get rid of those fees. I go in and ask the banker, how do I get rid of them? And they don't want to tell me, but you can get rid of the fees. Mm-hmm. I see we're coming up on a break now. Boy, the 15 minutes has gone fast. <laughs> I don't have, I have a lot of blue stickers left. So welcome to Money and uh, Jobs and Health and Stuff. And uh, we're going to take a short break now. And this is Gordon Blyle or Gordon Bennett. Uh, we'll be back with you after a short break. Meanwhile, stay right here with us. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. What are the reasons that over three quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life with Gordon Bennett. 
To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Money, Jobs, Health, and Things in Life. This is Gordon Bennett, and with me here today is Karen Blumenthal. Karen has written a remarkable book I keep talking about all the time because I really like it. It's something you can pick up at any time and look up a subject you might not be familiar with. It is not something you have to read from the front to the back. You can find resources in it. You can find your best uh, starting points in the book. It's just, it's just amazing. Next question I want to talk, or next thing I want to talk about is the dreaded word of budgeting. (laughs) You have in your book something I think has been remarkable, and that is keeping track of your money for an entire month. I don't, I, I don't keep track of every penny every month, but that's a good exercise about once a year. And let me tell you, uh, we had a grinder pump. We were below grade level. We had a grinder pump. And I saw the plumbing repair guy come to the house to fix it. And I tell you, I'd rather have the ambulance in the driveway than a plumber's because of the cost. So so I asked him about money. I always talk to people about money. He has a very simple budgeting system. He gets his paycheck. He cashes it. He puts half in investments and half to live on. That's it. Wow. <laughs> that's That's his budget. He's that's been doing it all his life. He lives within his means. He's got plenty of money. But if he knows if he runs out of money before the end of the month, he's going hungry. <laughs> what do you think of that as a simple budget he means? Well, I think he's a great saver. That's really impressive. Most of us aren't that good at that. Um, I'm, I'm not really a huge believer in budgeting because I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an impossible task. You know, you set out and you say, I'm going to spend this much each month, and then it's impossible to hit those numbers realistically because something happens. You know, you need a new tire, you have to go to the dentist. Something always happens that mixes it up. But what I do believe is understanding where your money goes and having a feel for what you have so that you don't spend more than you have. Or that if you absolutely have to do that because you did have to go to the dentist or you did have to buy new tires, that you know exactly how you're going to get back out of that hole quickly. And so I, I feel like budgeting is important, that process of writing down everything you spend. And you really, to be honest, you really need to do it for about three months because there's always things you forget, birthday presents, haircuts, all those things that aren't every month um, that oh, yeah. can really ruin your budget in some ways. So if you write everything down for two or three months, I'll tell you when we were young, my husband and I did this. We decided we wanted to really accumulate some savings and we would live on one salary, and we kept we kept a ledger for about a year, which was about all I could stand to do. But we learned a lot, and we it, has, it still continues to pay dividends for us many, many years later because you do really know then where your money goes and, and where you can cut back if you need to. I was uh, challenging people to account for even 80% of the money they spent, and they can't do it. They just don't know how to spend it. I remember my secretary when I was living up in Seattle in the publishing business she complained to me. She said, uh, we open a savings account and we promise each other we're never going to take money out of it. And something comes up. So we take the first dollar out of it to buy new tires of the refrigerator. Something breaks. And then we take the next one out, next one, next one, next one, next one. Pretty soon that promise went by the wayside. I suggested she get two accounts. 
one that she puts in to not take out of and one to take out of. Mm-hmm. And a year later, she had put everything uh, in one account, not taken anything out, and the other account was in and out, and in and out, in and out. That's another way to uh, budget is big gross numbers. I don't know if you're familiar with Jenkins. Uh, I think it's MSN or whatever. Had a 60, 10, 10, 10, 10 a budget. He said put 10 in retirement, 10 in short term like escrow accounts. Uh, 10. He had four 10 things. I can't remember them offhand. They're in my book. And live on 60%. So you can take those things that you have to take out without having your conscience bother you. And I think that's, that's a real thing. It's a, it's a, it's a gross budget. And I think you can, what I call chunk it. Now I will talk about budgets, however, and you are exactly on point with me. Things you have to spend money for and things you want to spend money for. Things you are discretionary dollars and things that are mandatory dollars. I have a pie chart that's a little, you know, just reckon, uh, replica of, you know, how you spend your money. On one side, I put green. This is discretionary. On the other side, I put red, which is mandatory. What you want to do is make the mandatory side smaller. This is get out of debt. Things like car payments and credit card balances and house payments. So the people who have a crisis in their life, the more discretionary money they have and the less mandatory money, the crisis becomes a mere inconvenience instead of a crisis. And the people who've already bought everything they want and have to pay and have to pay, it's a real uh, landmine for them. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I, it is very hard to manage money. So you have to know yourself. And you have to say, if I'm one of those people who has difficulty keeping track, then I need to really have a method for keeping track. If you have a great sense of it, you, you don't have to monitor uh, five different accounts, then, then that's great. You know, go for it. Um, I personally keep several different accounts, um, you know, money set aside for medical needs and money set aside for short-term needs and, and then longer-term money and then retirement money. Um, so I, uh, you know, because you don't want everything tied up in a retirement account either. Um, it's very important to save for retirement, but you can't get to that money without a penalty. So, you know, people tend to um, maybe not realize the different kinds of savings you need to have. So yeah. I, I think, you know, but it depends on what works for you and different things are going to work at different stages of life. When you have children, it's it's very complicated because they're expensive little things, and they get yeah, more they expensive are. as they get bigger. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, different you know different times are going to change the way that you do it. But I think you've got to find a method early on that works for you that you can stick with. Um, it's a lot. You know, it's a lot like dieting. Um, there are lots of pitfalls. There's lots of bakeries along the way. <laughs> yeah. That'll well, get I have. So. I have two. I have two exercise machines. I have a bicycle and a treadmill. It doesn't do a thing for me until I get on them. That's right. <laughs> and I put them in the most inconvenient part of the house. So budgeting doesn't need to be one of those penny by penny accountings every month. Remember, Grandma used to have the envelope system. So much for groceries, and so much for this, and so much for that. Try something real basic, just to get control of your mind. Have the choices. Right. And. I think knowing what your choices are and having some control. Now, my wife, uh, I'll tell you a story about that, uh, about a budget. We go to workshops just to learn what people are there for. And we were at a workshop up in the, in the city and uh, at a church. And uh, the, the leader said he had recently talked to a woman and he had recommended they do what you suggest. 
take 30 or 60, 90 days and account for every penny they spend. And this woman said she had spent $1,700 in Pepsis in the vending machine at work over the last year. $1,700. Now, there's no, there's no morality, but she doesn't realize that she was spending a buck or a buck and a half. Well, my wife can now afford uh, a Pepsi every now and then, but she can't put them dime in a machine somewhere saying, how much am I doing that? That has stuck with her for so long. And I have to tell you two stories that I have. Uh, one was a letter that I think it was a fake, you know, woman wrote in, said she uh, wanted some lovelorn advice. Uh, she'd been taking the pill for a while and wanted to get her boyfriend to help her pay for it, but she didn't know him well enough yet to talk about money. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's real important what you and your husband said. You start off your marriage. I know that my uh, father and mother-in-law they never talked about money to each other, and it it ended up being very sad uh, for them. Uh, the other story is I gave a copy of my book to the postal person, and she looked at me and she said, I read your book, and there are some things in there that upset me. And I said, so what did you do? She said, I gave away the book. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to deal with the simple realities of life. Let's talk about debt. What do you think about debt? Well, you know, there are times when it makes sense, right? I mean, I, I know there are people out there who say never, ever have debt and all debt is bad. I don't agree with that. I think that there are times when you want to invest in your future. Um, I, I believe that you need to borrow if you want to own a house. It's very hard to pay cash for a house, especially today. And I think prudent borrowing and a prudent selection of a house makes a lot of sense. I think it makes some sense to borrow for higher education, but not, but, but within limits. And you should limit that to, you know, probably no more than twenty or $30,000, you know, for four years of college. Um, and, but that's a lot in itself, but it, it, and it unfortunately won't get you as far as a lot of people would like for it to. Uh, there are times, I tell this story a lot, when my husband and I, um, we weren't married yet, we graduated college and he got a new job. He needed to have clothes for that job. He had nothing. He'd start out, he didn't have a paycheck yet. And he ended up using a credit card. I think there are times when it makes sense to use a credit card and to pay it off over time because you need clothes for a new job or you need uh, to keep tires on the car because you need the car to get to your work. Um, but what's important is that you have a plan then to take care of that debt. It, it turned, it out, turned out that my husband had grown up thinking you always paid the minimum on a credit card. I didn't know this. <laughs> I was a, it was one of those <laughs> things you learn when we start talking about money. And I discovered after a year by accident that he still owed almost the same amount on this credit card as he had when he bought those new suits. And I said, what's this? And he said, well, don't you pay the minimum? So we had to have a conversation. And we had to figure out what to do. It was was a fair bit of money. We ended up taking out a credit union loan and paying it off. took us a year. We paid it off over a year. We have never carried debt beyond a mortgage debt since then. We We don't borrow for cars. We don't borrow for anything. But... We did have that one experience, and it was an eye-opener. The problem with debt is that it can accumulate, and you can get in a hole if you get behind on it. It can get bigger and bigger. The interest rates accumulate. Maybe you get overdraft fees. Maybe you get over-limit fees. Maybe you miss a payment and you get late fees. And all of that can add up in a way that it multiplies, and you can end up in a bigger and bigger hole without meaning to. So the key to me to debt is to use it carefully, and to know how to manage it when you do use it. Um, I don't think it's the most terrible thing. There are times in your life when you have to borrow, and that's yeah, okay. I... But you always need a plan to get yourself out of it. And then the last thing I'd add 
is that, that the great divide in, in this country between those who have choices and those who don't is those who don't have debt have many, many more choices. It's that yeah, simple. It, yeah, you're right. Uh, you said exactly what I want you to say. I mean, <laughs> I believe that occasionally people have to uh, borrow money. I started with a borrowing for a house. I started borrowing for a car. But as you get older, you want to borrow less and less because it's a signal that you're maybe – uh, living within, without, uh, with, you're supposed to live within your means, you're living outside of your means. For example, my wife put an office in the house, and we were given a deal to uh, buy a rug for it and pay six months same as cash. Mm-hmm. We took advantage of that. And when the bill came, we were, of course, pre- prepared to pay it off. But it, the little box up in the corner said, if you pay only the minimum, that rug will be paid for in 31 years. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be here, and neither will a rug. <laughs> We're going to take another break. Now we'll be right back with Karen. Karen, you've been wonderful, and uh, we'll talk to you right after the break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Hi again, this is Gordon Bennett with Karen Blumenthal talking about money and uh, some of the lessons of life. And uh, the time has gone very fast and I want to spend some, some more time on spending habits. But uh, in fact, let's just jump right into, right into that. What are some of the things people do wrong about just spending their money? Well, I think they just fail to, to plan or think through where their money needs to go. I mean, there's an awful lot of things that we know we have to pay every month, right? All the utility bills and the the, the rent or, or the mortgage and the car. Uh, but one of the things that uh, I, I have found has become a huge issue in lives is things like the cell phone bill, which is, I call I call it budget creep, you know, or, or sometimes Mr. Creep, that the, the cost of certain things goes up a little bit every year, and before you know it, you're spending a fortune on 
cable or satellite and cell phones and all these other services, and, and then you wonder why you're running out of money at the end of the month. And so I think one of the things that's very hard to do is to keep track of spending and to pay attention and to do your homework. One of the things we just discovered, for instance, was um, that that we could really make a huge difference in our homeowner's insurance. had no idea uh, that we could cut it by a substantial amount because we we had just gotten a new roof and bought a certain kind of roofing surface. Um, car insurance is something that you really can save on if you're willing to shop around on it every two or three years. And it turns out that all of this stuff just takes time, and it takes your attention, and we have so many other things to do. But you can make a big difference in what you have if you pay attention to, to this budget creep and to what you're spending on all the things that you have to buy. Karen, I was uh, talking to an insurance man uh, two or three weeks ago, and there's no charge for this advice I want to give you. Did you know that you can buy wedding insurance? <laughs> this is true. Wow. He's told, well, you can buy wedding insurance. I was having some out-of-town guests, and my friend's best friend had just eaten $30,000 in deposits for his daughters, of course. Wow. His daughter had planned to get married, and the groom got cold feet and left. <sighs> he was stuck with $30,000, and for $200, he could have insured the wedding. Wow. So when your daughters get ready to get married, talk about it, wedding insurance. <laughs> okay. I mean, because, you know, these things sneak up on us and you say what in the heck happened here and so doing your homework and learning about spending so let's stay with spending but that's a good example of we don't know enough to uh, ask the right questions sometimes and sometimes just asking somebody else for spending tips is a really good idea what other ones you have well i I, you know i was writing for young people so one of the things i cover is um, you know, joining a health club and really asking whether you need to and do you have to sign a contract and what, what does that contract require you to do and for how long. Um, young people are often asked to sign all kinds of contracts and they're not really well prepared to, to, to know what to look for and to know how to figure out. I tell them to look at it as a scavenger hunt and you have to ask several key questions, one of the most important being how do you get out of the contract and how do I get out of the contract. Very important basic thing, and they get overwhelmed by the legal language instead and don't ask that simple question. Um, when you are buying a car, if you're going to, to finance it, the car salesman only wants you to think about the monthly payment, but you want to think about what is the total that I'm paying and, and what is the interest that I'm paying for that and how else could I finance it in a way that I pay less of my hard-earned money over time. Even things like owning a pet. And I once had this, I had this discussion recently with a young person who, um, who, who, who had read the book and said, well, you know, I really wanted to get a pet, but I read in your book how much it costs, and so I decided I'm going to wait. <laughs> I mean, I, people, you know, you, you get, you know, you see the dog in the pound, you see the cat, you know, the, the, you know, the, they have a sidewalk thing, and these, these animals need to be adopted, and your heart's, you know, um, you know, just, lo- you just love to have that kind of a, you know, a pet at home. Um, but it's an extremely expensive thing to do if you're young and you're on a tight budget. I know. I had 10 animals. I had three horses, two dogs, one bird, one cat, four, two cats. Wow. And, uh, and sh- one of the things about shopping was my veterinarian, if I called him for emergency service, it was one rate. But if I was his regular customer and let him do the routine stuff, it was less rate. Little things like that are just an amazing thing that you can learn. Uh, I'm a member of the uh, YMCA down here. We have 50,000 members and uh Fifteen five acres of space on eighteen acres of land and five pools. We don't have a contract, 
and we don't turn anybody away. There's an example. You can go to a community service that provides a lot of those health services, or you can buy some weights yourself, too. Right. You can or, always walk. <laughs> you can always just walk right. down the street. But it, that's true. But there may, you know, say you, you like certain classes, maybe you need to join, maybe you can just pay by the class. Um, or maybe you can be various ways maybe to you budget can, it. Maybe you can become a voluntary and get it free. <laughs> Potentially. You, I mean, the, the barter system is really good for a lot of ways to spend money. Mm-hmm. If you, we uh, do a lot of cooking for charity, and uh, I always get near the food, and it, uh, there's always some leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've done a good thing. We cooked 100 meals, and there'll be two leftover, and we'll have a leftover dinner. Uh, there's a lot of ways. Uh, let's, I'm going to keep with this uh, uh, spending tips because that is an area that has a lot of resources. I mean, we have coupons. We have uh, special deals. And I made a list of things that, that in preparation. Know what you want to buy. Preparation. There's a before and after. Before you buy something, prepare yourself to look for good deals. Prepare yourself to get um, the best for your money. Avoid the urgency of needing something right now. What other ones are there? Uh, you probably can think of some. Well, I mean, I think there is a question, do I need it or do I just want it? I think that's right. You know, that's pretty key. Um, you know, I think there is something about being truly being penny-wise and pound-foolish. Um, are you going to buy something cheap that's not going to last a long time as opposed to spending a little more for something that is going to last a long time? And I, I do think there's something to be said for that, especially on some bigger ticket Issues. I mean, if you're going to buy a computer that um, may only be, may only survive a year or so, uh, versus potentially paying for a better one that, that might last you three or four or five years, it might be worth spending more. Um, and, and I think as you get older, those questions sort of become more important. Same with you know the big ticket items, cars, refrigerators. Um, you know, you can buy things on the cheap, but sometimes it's better to do your research and to pick out something that's a, a higher quality item so that you aren't buying it several times over. I um, think you're absolutely right. And we right. forget that sometimes. I mean, you know, you you can be so focused on the on the price that you ignore that you're not getting your full bucks worth if it's too cheap. I think that's a very good piece of advice, and it's something I haven't done very well with. Uh, but there is a point at which you get more quality and get a better product, and then there's a place that the uh, marketer wins where they convince you you just must have a certain product. Now, my wife right. and I are shopping for a mattress. We mm-hmm. discovered we're going to have a house full of guests, and we're short one mattress. So we decided <laughs> to get a king size bed. I was astonished. They want six thousand dollars for the top of the line mattress. What am I getting for that as opposed to two thousand for a really good mattress? That's where good shopping, I think, comes in. Right, but you might and, be able to get that mattress. You might be able to find a king for twelve hundred, but then you know your guests may be sliding off of it, right? So yeah, I mean, that's, that's what right. I mean about about you know it's not just the price. But whether you're yeah, really you, getting something worthwhile, you know, you're not having to replace it in a year or two. Yeah, um, that's a good point. The uh, I'll tell you a story. My wife, she was in Staples, and uh, she's teaching at one of the universities. And uh, she's been looking for a new chair. She had back surgery, and she, the one they give her is just bad. She's got a really expensive chair at home that she's had for 10 years since the surgery. And she said, I'm going to buy another one of those. I can't stand the medical thing it's a very expensive chair she was standing in staples and they said oh here we have a floor sample try this one mm-hmm. she bought the chair on the spot it was 50 dollars. it had been marked down from 375 dollars mm-hmm. 
So right. sometimes well, there's it's... ways to do that too. Floor samples. I have. I'm the desk I'm working from was a floor sample as well. Yeah, I. <laughs> um, but, the, but you want to be a smart consumer. You don't just want to be a cheap consumer. I think that's a good way to put it. That you want to be a smart consumer, not a cheap consumer. Now, if you're given to impulse spending, on the other hand, uh, one of the tricks that uh, I learned is get something, take it up to the cash register in a big shopping mall, and say, "Would you hold this for me?" By the time I walk to the other end of the mall and come back, I've lost my interest in it. Mm. I mean, it's little things like mm-hmm. that that can help. Uh, um, delays, denials. How do you buy a car? How do you buy a car? How do you buy a car? Well, I, I, I love to chat. I love your chapter on the car. <laughs> well, you know, speaking particularly to young people, I, I think they really get sold a bill of goods. You know, you got to have a new car. It's got to. You got to finance it. The uh, gee, right now in particular, there's a lot of great financing deals. You can get zero percent interest, which is, you know, pretty good, <laughs> or one point nine percent. There's there's a lot of great financing deals out there, um, but I don't think you should be paying for a car for six years. Uh, that car is not going to be worth very much in six years, and uh, you don't want to owe any debt on it at that point. So, to me, you want to find a car that you can pay for comfortably in three to four years. And if that means you can't afford a new car, that's okay. There's a lot of great, reliable, lovely new used cars out there. Um, and and you'll save yourself a bundle by doing that, by buying something, you know, reliable like a Honda or a Toyota or, um, you know, whatever it is that, that, that you feel like you want to own. Um, if, you, you know, you, if you shop around with the Internet, there's just it's not difficult at all to find what you want to find the price you're, you're that is not going to be a stress for you yeah and there's a place where you can plan ahead buy at the end of the month when they or the car dealer needs to make quota what is the car he's trying to get rid of mm-hmm. to minimize your choices uh my wife and i just bought two new cars recently because wow. uh, we'd had our cars for 10 years and uh the second car was a sports car and as I got older, it was getting closer to the ground. <laughs> and, I, and we has decided to get another car, maybe. And we went down to the car dealer with her. No, we didn't take it with us to look at a certified used car, two-year-old car. And we saw the car that looked pretty good. It was a color that was okay. It didn't have some things we would like to have had, but we didn't need. And we said, well, think about it. So we came home and said, what difference are we willing to spend for that car? And so uh, depending on what he'd give us and what that would cost, that's the maximum we'd spend. Or we'd keep looking. Mm-hmm. And he actually beat the deal. So we ended up with a two-year-old car that had a 100,000-mile warranty on it. It only had 20,000 miles on it. It was two years old. It had been used as a dealer demo. And the dealer uh, sold it to us for $3,000 less than we were going to pay. Mm-hmm. Then he tried to get us to finance it. And we said, no, we think we don't want a car payment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're very happy with that. And if you do that, and your stuff doesn't define you. Your stuff doesn't make you to be right. someone you aren't. And marketers, and I'm a marketing guy, marketers are maniacal about you deserve this or you need this without regard to what really is the sensible thing to do. Right, and you know, the Internet has really changed this because you can sit at home and email a bunch of car dealers. I live in a big city, so if you've got a number of car dealers around, and, and they know that if you're doing, if you're emailing them, that they're, that you're shopping, you're really shopping, you will get a really different quotation when you do that than if you go to the dealer first. And then you go, so you get your, you get your, your bids, if you will, and you, if you want to negotiate some online, and then you go to the dealer to close the deal. 
with your final price in mind. And I, I've been very impressed. I, I had a daughter that recently um, bought a car a little over a year ago and was able to get even quite a bit below what the dealer offered her uh, by email in, a, in the final negotiation um, and well below what the sticker price was on a used car. So, um, you know, if you're willing to negotiate, you know, you should have a number in mind and, and be willing to stick to it. Yeah, you should watch uh, Pawn Stars. That's a great show. <laughs> they, know, they know how to buy and they know how to sell. Um, yeah, it, it is really amazing what you can do if you just take your time about it. Uh, know what you're going to spend and you know, get in line and uh, uh, don't. If you have oh, two things I want to say, you got to learn to say no and be willing to walk away from a deal that isn't there. Don't get emotionally involved. But the one thing I disagree with you in your book, you said research to buying a car is hard. Not anymore. It's a, it's duck soup on the internet and the internet. We'll be back after the break. Thank you so much for listening, and we got a short break afterward. I want to ask Karen some of her thoughts on investing that hard-earned money. And uh, I want to thank you all for listening. After the break. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment, and that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business innovator, or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Good afternoon and welcome back to Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things in Life. And with me today is Karen Blumenthal, 
who writes a column for the Wall Street Journal, who has written an article, and I gotta recommend you own her book. You need to get on, you can get it at Amazon, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, and she's written two books actually. If anybody is listening, uh, has been going through a divorce or a crisis in life and has to start over again, her new book on Guide to Starting Fresh is absolutely awesome. We have a friend at church who in her 30s, her husband died. She has three small children and he didn't believe in insurance. That is a real sad story, but she's got to dig her way out of it. And that book is an incredible guide to doing so. Uh, this, we got just a few minutes time left. We've been talking about all kinds of good things and, uh, I wrote a book too. My book was called Give Yourself a Raise. You know, how to, how to have less stress, more money and financial freedom. And you go to my website, Path to Financial Freedom, P, F, let's see, the path to PTFF, PTFF net, PTFF.net. And you can get downloaded forms and a lot of things about budgeting and things like that. And, uh, but I recommend you buy uh, Karen's book. That's a really good one. And, uh, you got to educate yourself and that's a good starting place. The books will no longer become intimidating. Now of the books I have in my library, and there are many of them, most start at the middle and talk about investing. So I waited till the end because I don't know anything about that. I have a personal financial planner, and he does all my emotional decisions for me. What do you think about investing today? Karen, it's your turn. Well, you know, everybody has to do it. This is a reality of life, especially if you're starting out today. You have got to save for your retirement. You've got to save for your future, just for, um, you know, savings that you're going to have to have. You're really going to need sort of short-term and middle-term and long-term savings. And if you want to be able to enjoy those savings and also you don't want to have to save three times as much, you're going to have to invest it smartly. I'm, a, I'm still a believer in the stock market. I know that there are a lot of people who feel very burned and a lot of people who cannot tolerate the fact that the stock market's going to go up and down. But if you believe in uh, capitalism and you believe in American business, then the stock market will pay off for you if it's done in a smart way. So I, I believe that young people need to learn about what stocks are and what bonds are and, and how they work, and they need to figure out what kind of mix makes sense for what they can tolerate, and they need to invest. Um, you can take more risk in very long-term investments, like your retirement, especially if you're young. You, you have to take less risk in, in money that you might need in the next five or ten years. But I think that learning to invest gives you, again, more options, and as we talked about you know, this whole hour, um, money is all about having options. You need to, first of all, understand your own tolerance for risk. I have no tolerance whatsoever for risk. Despite <laughs> being educated in finance, I don't have an emotional uh, tolerance for uh, any risk at all. And I'm a great believer in certified or any financial planner. I, first of all, ask them how they get paid because if they sold life insurance, they will include that in the estate plan. But, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you need an independent mind looking at your situation. How many years of college do you have, Karen? I don't add them up. A bunch. You know, a bunch, right? Uh I have a bunch. We learned to spend a fortune to make a living. That's what we spend all that money for, to make a living. When we're investing our money, how much money are we spending in that? How much money are we spending knowing what to do? I have a friend who paid several hundred thousand dollars in taxes that he didn't need to pay after his mother died. So I am a great believer in 
hiring an independent, you are knowledgeable what your goals are. Get an independent planner to keep you from making mistakes and somebody to talk to who doesn't have an axe to grind. I'm a great believer in that independent advisor, and I think you mention as much in your book. Uh, I, think it, yeah, I think it depends on the person. I mean, there's some people who just can't stand to give up control. And there are mutual funds out there that are low cost, and and by all means, do it yourself. And if you're going to criticize that person, you know, you hire a financial planner, then you're going to criticize them endlessly because, you know, you think you can do better, then do it yourself. If you if you can't stand the risk and the volatility, then you definitely should hire somebody to help you out. Okay, that's a good that's a good uh, sorting device. Take a look at your own appetite for risk, and find out if you're um, able to stand beside your emotions, or you can. Use an index fund or something. But also the thing a financial planner does, a good financial planner, you need to have a will. Mm-hmm. And maybe you need a living trust. It, it gives a much broader invest than just investing. A couple hours spent with them might save you just a whole lot of money. Oh, yeah, and, all kinds of things. I mean, they can help you with your taxes, which even a young person can make some decisions that can save them on taxes, like investing in a 401K or perhaps taking advantage of some tax-advantaged health choices. Um, a financial planner can point out things that are just not on your radar. The other thing that you haven't mentioned but I've read about in your book and I think is absolutely worth saying, the sooner you start, the less you have to save. If you, I don't know of any men 55 years old who are saying, I should not have started so soon. <laughs> it takes a lot of money when you're older to get where you want to be in retirement. If you started when you're 20, it's pretty simple. And probably the happy medium is when you get your first job, get on that 401K. I know my wife got on a 401K, and it's amazing how that's added up over the years. It's absolutely true. I mean, you know, again, it, it, the more options that you want to have, the sooner that you need to start putting away money um, from everything, from, from birthday checks, from any kind of windfall that you get, from any kind of bonus. If you get in the practice of saving, um, you'll just have a lot more choices. Karen, I have really enjoyed talking to you. I've enjoyed reading your book. I recommend it all the time. For any of you out there listening who want a guidebook for life, and it literally is, it is getting started, but it isn't too late to start over again if you've got a lot of bad habits. And uh, it's a remarkable book, and... Uh, Look for a column in the Wall Street Journal. I'm a little intimidated by it saying the Wall Street Journal. I wish we had a, maybe we need to advertise it in the Bride magazine or something. But it's, it's really, really good. Do you have a final parting thought for any of our listeners? Well, I would just say, you know, don't give up on it. Um, you know, nobody's going to be perfect at money. Um, we're all going to make mistakes, and that, that actually makes life kind of interesting. And I think that's fine. But I think it's important to, to, to keep at it and, and to not get frustrated and say, oh, I just can't make it work, because you can. Um, so I, I would just encourage people to give it a try again and and, uh, and good luck with it. I think that's awfully good advice. Just give it a try. Uh, take, care, take charge, take responsibility, and uh, life is great and life is grand. And uh, uh, you'll make mistakes. You'll stub your toes. You'll spend too much money. But uh, just because of that, you shouldn't give up. You should keep trying over and over. So I know last year when I was diagnosed with cancer, I changed a lot of habits. So uh, it comes too soon, folks. And thank you very much for listening. Thank Karen for joining us. Uh, As I said again, buy her book. (laughs) It will help you in a million ways. Thank you. Uh, 
This is Gordon Bennett. Uh, you've been listening to Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life. And we'll see you again next week right here at the same time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life. Please join your host, Gordon Bennett, again next Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, are you going to make a bad choice or a great choice with your money? Come back next week for more.